everyone, and welcome back to another edition of Wolford Weekly, your EastEnders podcast, reviewing the week that was Monday the 2nd to Friday the 6th of November, as it was broadcast on the BBC in the UK. As it's now become a familiar habit, we have Rob with us. Hello, Rob. Hello, Alex. How are you? <laughs> I'm very, very well. Very Excellent. positive. Good. Oh, yeah. Well, so you need to cut that out as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I know, I know. I, I've, I'm sure there'll be something that we'll talk about a little bit later, which we may be a little bit less oh, yeah. uh, keen on. But oh, um, yeah. but a, a little bit of news came out of the old EastEnders mill, and that is that this year for Children in Need, they're not going to do a song and dance routine. They're not going to do a special crossover episode of Coronation Street or Brookside or Hollyoaks or anything like that. They've decided for better Brookside or for... would have been good. I'd have been up for that. I like Brookside. But I think they're a, a bit behind now, unless they kind yeah, of bring maybe. back... They could bring back the old characters. That'd be fun, actually. I don't think most of them are still alive. <laughs> or, or buried under patios. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what they've decided to do is they've decided to use that set of The Wall, which is the Danny Dyer game show. Anyone outside of the UK or hasn't watched it before, it's essentially just a giant game of pachinko where they drop of balls. <laughs> Pachinko. It's uh, in Japan when you drop ball bearings into loads of pins and, goes, and then it goes into a section at the bottom and it's like oh, win, okay. lose. And, and in the case of the wall, there's money to be won. But obviously, because it's for charity, it's not just any old Tom, Dick and Harry who's entering the competition this year. No, it's Callum and Mitch feelings oh. about this outcome that is that they're not doing a special episode. Instead, they're doing an episode of the wall instead. Uh, uh, yeah, drop them. <laughs> seems to be uh, Danny's catchphrase. I mean, I've seen the wall a few times. It's all right. It's yeah. You know, it's 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 entertaining for what it is. I mean, I've watched yeah. it, and I I'm sorry, I can't stand it. It's just Can you awful. not. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's got Danny Dyer flirting with a wall. Like you know, it's, it's got Angela Rippon. Oh, is it Angela Rippon? I wonder who the voice was. So I know Angela Rippon because when I was about four, apparently, like I had a you know like four year old crushes. You know, I used to, <laughs> used to go up and kiss the TV whenever she was on. So me and Angela oh. go way back. Wow, you have a history. Uh, and, and clearly, me and Danny have similar feelings towards her because he's always like <laughs> calling her babe and baby and love and any other sort of London words. I'm surprised they didn't go for Callum Ben. I'll be honest, if they're gonna do, if they're gonna do that sort of thing. I know I was surprised that they were gonna go for the Ballum route, but um, yeah. So Mitch just kind of. I, I imagine it was just who was available at the time. They just kind of said who's fancies doing it. Letitia Dean would have been my number one choice. Absolutely. Her, I don't know, ever with anyone really. Her and Adam Woodyatt would have been Yeah, perfect. that would have been good. That would have been fine. I mean, Callum and Mitch. Lacey Turner. Lacey would have been good. I don't, can't imagine Lacey again. I mean, you have to be, as a contestant on the wall, you have to be quite enthusiastic about a machine <laughs> that basically drops balls. Every now and then. I don't know. That. It's just... Well, you do, don't you? They, they've got this kind of really Americanized. No no offence to our American listeners, but this kind of over-the-top attitude while they're watching it, they, while they're playing the game. Oh, they proper hurl abuse at the wall. It's great fun to watch sometimes. I was watching an episode and one guy was just running around in circles because he won like a thousand pounds. And it's like, come yeah. on, mate. <laughs> you? If I just said to you now, you've won a thousand pounds, Alex. Congratulations. You'd be running around the room. I'd be pleased, but I don't think I'd be that enthusiastic. Well, just because you run at six o'clock in the morning. Some of us <laughs> would run for money, Alex. Oh, would you? <coughs> yes. I, I, I mean, fine. It's entertainment for entertainment purposes. It's <laughs> nice that they're doing it for uh, children in need. Obviously, earn a bit of extra money for Pudsy and uh, the kids that it's helping out. But um, I was just a bit disappointed, that was all, that they're not doing a song and dance. And I get it because of COVID. Yes, it was COVID. COVID, but, it ruins everything. Yeah, but last year they, they did a Disney special and Sharon spoke to me 
Mickey Mouse, and it was just such a lovely she moment. Did. <laughs> you know? She did. Uh, yeah, I know, but I think, like you say, COVID is just ruining everything mm. at the moment. And I think that uh, having seen a few episodes of The Wall, it's quite safely socially distant. You know, half the time the contestants aren't even in the same room for an episode. Oh, God, so yeah, I they think, get put on yeah, the screen, don't they? they? A spoiler alert for anyone who's not watched it, but they get broken up, and then they have to answer some one of them answers questions, and the other one plays Pachingo, or whatever you said it was called. Yeah, Pachinko. Uh, I, I, and, um, I've never got that far to watching it, to be honest with you. I literally just watched the first round where it was like either A or B answers and then running. And then I was like, no, nah, done. This is enough, <laughs> this is enough <laughs> for me. I'm okay. not participating in this right, fair enough. giant pachinko machine. So that's our, that's our name scrubbed off the BBC wish list for uh, the, uh, episodes of The Wall in future. Then. I mean, that's... if they're going to do a minor celebrity special. Speak for yourself. <laughs> but then, you know, I'll be there. But just don't expect enthusiasm to the degree that I saw that Saturday night I watched it. No time like the present then to get started and we are going to begin with Jay, Honey and Billy and Lola saga. Um, Not, not necessarily in that order. <laughs> that was a strange no. order to betray them all in. Well, I'll tell you what, yes, that's totally, I mean, that's a part of the component. They were a component in another story that was going on for the whole week. Mm. The whole week, this theme was going throughout the whole of all the storylines and it's a very contentious issue, and I apologise for anybody that might be offended by anything we're about to discuss. Condiments. <laughs> Everyone was on about condiments this week. Are you talking about the Do bacon sandwiches? And... Bacon sandwiches, right, ketchup right. all over Isaac's breakfast. Yeah. Uh, there was another one. Um, everybody was just on about condiments. And, you know, Rainy pouring ketchup all over ice cream. Stuart joined her at the end of the week too. Pineapples on pizza. I mean... Nothing wrong with now, pineapple on pizza, is oh, there? Oh, see, I knew you'd say that. I <laughs> knew you were going to say that. Of course there's something wrong with pineapples on pizza. Now, obviously here we're talking, you know, we're a meat eater and a vegan, uh-huh. you know, so we're going to have different opinions. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to ask you what you'd, you know, what sauce you would put in a bacon sandwich, because that's not the sort of thing you'd eat. But, you know, on your corn sandwich or whatever you eat, you know, what is the... <laughs> you know... <laughs> well... As as a former meat eater, I've not. I wasn't yes. born a vegan. I'm, I'm afraid to say I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. You mean it's a choice? It, it was a. It was a choice that I chose to make. Um, but before that, I would be very, very adamant that it's brown sauce, 100. percent Wow. See, I I'm I'm a mayo guy myself. I what on a bacon sandwich? On. Yeah, I know. I'm worse than rainy. Everyone always says this to me. I I think it's fairly normal. Yeah, mayo on a bacon sandwich. Love it. It's just disgraceful. <laughs> See, well, I've enjoyed my time on Warford Weekly. Yeah, I don't don't think it's right. I don't think it's it's very European of you to have mayonnaise. Uh, I mean, a lot of, (laughs) again, I may offend European listeners here, but they they tend to like mayonnaise on like chips or with eggs and stuff like that. They do that. Mayo and eggs. Yeah, like I don't like eggs. Well, no, again, really. I, I haven't had an egg in a very long time, but uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> personally. Egg. Well, no, because it's milk chocolate. You have to find. Uh, oh God, yeah, yeah. Oh God, this is becoming quite. This is welcome to See? the vegan podcast. Told you, <laughs> Told you. controversial. <laughs> anyway, you know, before me and Alex have a proper tear up, Jay, Honey, and Lola. Yes, yes, they've not. They've had a much more peaceful time, despite after Billy discovering the news of what had happened to Honey last week and decided that best course of action would be to hurt Paul, the man who photographed Honey. Jay was the sensible head in this whole story this week and it was so lovely to see. As we mentioned last week, Jay is the kind, very considerate person and he knew that if Billy had gone forward with hurting Paul, it would just hurt Honey more. So he said, 
just leave it, just forget it. It's not for the benefit of Honey. Yeah, I think, well, Billy reacted the way that we'd expect him to react, really. And I guess it's an understandable reaction to want to cave Paul's head in with a brick. Yeah, but is Billy, isn't really Billy's place to react like that anymore? I mean, Honey and Billy are not an item anymore. Honey has made it clear that he do- she doesn't want to be with Billy anymore, even though there was hints of it just before lockdown mm. that she did want to get back together with Billy because she got a bit jealous of his relationship with Karen. I, for me, I just don't think it's Billy's place to have that feeling anymore that he should be Honey's protector of her. Mm. No, I know, you're right. But I think that, you know, you're talking about the mother of his kids and, you know, there's always going to... Because Billy was the one that messed up in the first place, in typical Billy fashion, he's got that sort of guilt associated with why they've broken up. He's probably sees it as half his fault that Honey's journey for the past year has been the way it is. You know, if he hadn't slept with Tina, then she wouldn't have got with Adam and then her eating disorder wouldn't have come back. Um, and then clearly she wouldn't have been in this situation with Paul because they would still have been together. And let's be fair, it's a, it's the Mitchell way, isn't it? If someone annoys you, I'm going to kill them. That's, <laughs> you know, that's sort of the Mitchell way of dealing with anything. Yeah, but Billy's the run to the litter and he can... Oh, I mean, God, if, yeah. you could just imagine him th- thrusting this brick at someone. It'd probably just <laughs> land just in front of them because it'd be thrown <gasps> so weakly, you know? It'd just literally drop yeah. in front of him. Talking about Adam, I, I probably this has got nothing to do with the story, really. But Adam and Honey's story, there was... Obviously, it didn't really go anywhere in the end to what we thought was going to happen but do you think mm. if Chantel and Grey's story hadn't been developed to the way it had it was always destined to be honey it did seem that way yeah it's honey and asm it did seem that mm. way I thought to be fair they were going more down a sort of coercive control route with Adam and honey mm. um, but yeah that seemed to be more the way it was going and then you know you sort of had honey looking at pictures of herself when she was younger and it was kind of like oh is she going to go down the plastic surgery route or something like that you know so because it seemed like adam was really getting inside her head and sort of mentally messing with her and reducing her confidence i feel that they had planned that story of honey but they didn't have the confidence to then kill honey the same story for Chantel had happened to honey how i i just feel like the, the writers almost wouldn't have had the confidence to kind of pull off the aftermath because we, again it's a the criticism of their aftermath of what they've done with Chantel in my opinion well, and that yes. is that there hasn't been any particularly even this week there was a slight mention of it but it was just a passing mm. well I think what you're also looking at there is the fact that if the Chantel and Grey storyline had played out with Honey and Adam you'd have A have been getting rid of Honey which you know who's quite a well-known character within the soap and B you'd have stuck with Adam who wasn't it wasn't that much of a strong character. I mean, you know, you could say that about Grey, possibly. But... Yeah, but we don't really know much. I personally don't know much more about Grey than <coughs> I did or do know about Adam. No, that's true. You know, lawyer, dentist. Yeah. Angry, <laughs> mean. Professional. That's about it. Yeah, Male professional, professionals, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where's a tie? Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, do, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. But I think that... I think the thing is with um, Grey and Chantel, they were very much going for the behind closed doors sort of thing. And that was very much the theme of that story. Mm. Whereas Honey and Adam were sort of... A little bit out in the uh, open. Yeah, I I would say. Moving on, Jay and Honey getting obviously considerably closer throughout the week. Um, yeah. There's some really nice scenes with them, actually. I really enjoyed the Honey and Jay stuff this week. I, um, I you know, love the, the scenes between Honey and Jay. Yeah, I really do. Yeah. I, I, I know there's a bit of negativity out there about them getting together, and it, it does feel a little bit strange considering Jay is kind of like being the son of Billy. I don't know. I, I quite like the uh, relationship that has been built around them. They seem to work all right as a pair, you know, and 
with someone like Jay, he knows Honey's background. You know, he knows her her ways she is with food and all that sort of thing. There was a really nice scene in the cafe at, at, the start, at the start of the week where, you know, they were sat having a coffee together and they were talking about the, the attack and Jay actually notices that Honey's barely sipping at her coffee and can see the signs and, you know, sort of saying, come on, it's skimmed. You can you can drink that. Don't let this stop you looking after yourself. Yeah, see, that um, was a lovely, lovely touch. Yeah, that yeah, was a great touch. touch. They did that. And that's just typical Jay, really, isn't it? I mean, lovely boy. Lovely boy. We love Jay. <laughs> Uh, and then again, you know, there was another really nice scene later on when they were both on the swings. I think they're going to work. I mean, I think also, hopefully, I've got everything crossed because all this will need for me is for Jay to have a sort of internal moment of actually, am I going to do this to Billy? Mm. Can I do this? That's all I want from it. Just all I want. I don't want him to just wildly jump into bed with her and then from the start having this steamy love affair behind everyone's back without that sort of initial moment of hesitation on Jay's part. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that for me, I don't think Jay has any intention or had any intention to get together with Honey at any point mm. up until the episode where Lola admitted that she had slept with Peter. And the only reason she did that was because she had had the conversation with Isaac. Get ready for Lola and Isaac. That's going to happen. <laughs> and obviously... And I mean, I think they're better do, suited. Well, do you think they're both quite cunning, aren't they? And conniving in a strange uh, way. I just think... The thing is, actually, Lola does annoy me as a character because I, don't, I feel like she's not really done a lot since she's been back. But I have to say that I think she sort of worked for me this week. What I'm seeing with Lola is somebody who clearly just wants to be single. She wants to go out. She, I think she misses the opportunity to go out and have a good time. You know, obviously she loves Lexi and she's a good, well, you know, she's a mum. Um, but I think she misses that opportunity of going out and just going mad and pulling guys and doing all this sort of thing. And when you're with somebody like Jay, good old firm, dependable Jay, it, I think the the conversation that Isaac essentially had with her, with her was don't use me to scratch an itch that Jay isn't doing for you mm. because that's not fair on any of us. Lola doesn't really know what she wants. <clears throat> I really don't. No. I think she just, she gets what she wants and then she doesn't want it anymore. And that's, mm. I suppose that's always been Lola's character. So it's good that they're kind of keeping that yeah. continuity Assistant. up. That's what makes Lola for me so unlikable and so difficult to like as a character. She's not even like, oh, she's a little bit whimsical. Oh, but that's just Lola. It, it doesn't feel like that for me it's Lola is annoying a pain and really doesn't have any purpose anymore mm. I mean I am surprised that she didn't sleep with us this week I thought that was where it was heading oh totally um, and I'm sure it so, will head that way it's gonna oh, it happen. Will head that way now mm. but I think obviously this is probably Jay and Lola over now isn't it surely I think so I mean you didn't get reaction <clears throat> from Jay other than a bit of a childish <laughs> strop just a, a discerning scoff <laughs> yeah and then just kind of stormed out the room but this is another thing that I'm concerned about I don't want it to turn into Lola blaming Jay for the reason why they split up because that's what's going to happen again another trait of Lola is that it's yeah. never her fault and um, I just think that she's going to get Isaac on her side as well and there's going to be this horrible bitterness between Isaac and Jay and I don't mind Isaac's character I just want to see more of him I don't want him necessarily attached to Lola but I think that's going to happen yeah I mean I mean Isaac is just a, an enigma for me at the moment again <laughs> this week we sort of had him I feel like Isaac should have been at school this week and yet wasn't and I feel that's not to do with sort of inconsistency with the writing. I feel like he was actually supposed to be there and just wasn't. I'm sure somebody had, there was a kind of throwaway line that implied that Isaac should have been at work. He was on the um, bench, wasn't he? Eating the cornflakes and ketchup, as you mentioned earlier. And so he hadn't, <laughs> hadn't he gone to like, some, I'm sure it was work related and it, he'd been drinking too much. I, I, 
I don't know. I can't remember to be honest. But... Well, no, because they implied that he um, he no, because when he went into the, that was it. He went into the uh, to the salon to get Lola for his for his breakfast date, mm. and I think she said something along the lines to him, "Aren't you supposed to be at work?" And he said, "Well, that's a joy of being a supply teacher. You know, I, I'm not needed today, or something like that." Right. So again, do you know what I mean? They keep throwing in these little lines about Isaac. You know, when like Cherie last week saying that he'd be falling asleep in the classroom and he was fast asleep on the bench in in the square. I feel like there's something going on with Isaac in the background that we're not being told yet. For now, I think it's only just kind of convenience that Isaac should be there to be a shoulder for Lola to moan on. I'd, I'd say cry, yeah. but she doesn't cry. She moans. Just whinge on. Yeah, yeah. And over their brunch in the Vic. I didn't realise the Vic did brunch. No. Well, you know, they have to now, don't they? Sharon's an enigmatic businesswoman. Where is Sharon? I never see her in the Vic. Oh, she had a day off, bless her. She's she, earned it. She has many days off. She's, <laughs> this is the point we were making that, she, you know, this yeah. is, she's meant to be the centre stage. Eh? Whoever runs the Vic, hopefully the Panasars one day, Suki, so nod. I think nod. Tracy literally just had it to herself this <laughs> point, didn't she? <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Just, Ian but, wasn't there either. Ian, well, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if Ian works there. He just owns it or kind of owns it. He's, he's loan, on loan with the bank, isn't it, really, at the moment? Yeah. Sharon has no stories anymore and that she's in the center she's in like the the nucleus of albert square it just seems really strange that we don't see sharon not even there just to make like a remark every now and then really but strange no she's me. got her legs out at christmas so she is coming <laughs> we have to talk about christmas very soon Rob. we have to do our oh, christmas do predictions oh yeah, oh, yeah. Do, I have to wear a, do i have to wear a christmas hat if is you that want the, to. Is that the tradition? I will. No I one would ever stop you. I, I, I will wear a reindeer hoodie if I can oh, find one. Oh, yeah. I'm, that's, I'm desperately lovely. trying to find one. I think they look they look quite fun. Um, anyone listening who knows of a link, please send me it because I do want to find mm. one. <laughs> Share them. We'll, Sh- we'll send our pictures. Yeah. Hopefully we'll, got money for them. Of course we will. Of course. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to more EastEnders. Uh, and we are going to the Slaters and Cat and Kush. Oh, yes. And Phil as well. We mustn't forget Phil because yet again, if, if in doubt... Chuck Phillin. Chuck Phillin and let's have a heist. Um, but luckily, I think it was extinguished, or hopefully it's been extinguished before the fire even started because Cat's oh, grand plan... <laughs> Kat's grand plan is that in order to make the money to pay Suki every month, presumably they do a bank robbery every now and then. <laughs> it's like a payday. It is. It is. Don't work. Rob no, a bank. Rob a bank. That's the morals that we're trying to or teach our children nowadays. Or whatever. I think it's an excellent whatever. lesson. I wish they'd learned that. I wish I'd learned that at school instead of algebra. <laughs> um, uh, yes. Yeah, so, so because that Kush has obviously uh, lost the Slaters their home in a bet... Now, the one thing I did want to kind of pick up on this, it wasn't some, it wasn't a thread that was sort of left dangling for long because Suki had a, a sort of change of heart. But my immediate thought was, I mean, as much as I loved the poker game and Suki sat there all iconically as she rinsed the, the slaters for all they were worth, mm. surely a landlord kicking her tenants out over a poker game isn't that legal. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought, is it? Like, surely all the slaters needed to do was kind of go to court. And, sli- and the case would be thrown out in a second and they'd be absolutely fine and Suki would probably lose her landlord points or whatever or whatever happens. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think the only thing they would they could have going for them is the fact that I don't think Ruby's was licensed for gambling. And so <laughs> technically oh, it pa- well, yeah. perhaps wasn't a bet. Um, but then maybe Suki could argue it was a agreement between two people. I don't know. Yeah, well, she hired, she hired the club out, didn't she? So I'm pretty sure mm. that as long as you're not doing anything too illegal in there, a game, quick game of poker, that's all right. Yeah, but if it's, uh, yeah, but that game of get poker can't be for 
for instance, a house. A house. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, without a gambling license, I don't think that's even with a gambling license. I don't think that's uh, particularly maybe. seen by many. But then the police oh, are too yeah. busy at the moment. The police are busy sorting out, trying to get Phil arrested, trying to get yes. you know, Callum promoted. They've, they've got they've got bigger fish to fry at the moment. And Much bigger fish to fry. It's, it's stuff that Suki, we can. Suki can get away with murder. Suki is getting Long away with murder. But then Jean was able to fix the situation because Jean rally up all the market traders and stop them all from ever shopping in Minute Mart ever again. Yeah, that's it. The, and, the Minute Mart's going down now. Jean's on the case. She's boycotting all of Suki's businesses. Yep, yep. The Minute Mart, the call centre. No one's, there's no calls in that call centre. Stacey's turning I've, up for work. There's no point in her being there, quite frankly. No, well, was there anyway? As if Stacey was ever going to do any work there. <laughs> Laziest break. woman in the square. I know. I'm really looking forward to her going on her coffee breaks to the cafe. Like, and just, her, 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 <laughs> I'm on my break. Yeah, I'm on my break. I'm getting a <laughs> coffee for career it'll be yeah. fine she won't, he won't mind oh bless her uh so uh yeah so obviously so suki's now uh, changed her mind thanks to stacy talking to kirat and she's now said once again that all right they can stay but i'm raising the rent this house must be the most expensive in london the rate that she's raising this rent it must be more than worth than buckingham palace at this rate <laughs> i feel the bar um, was quite low to start with though to be honest apparently yeah. <laughs> apparently it's quite cheap to live in um e20 compared to the rest of london oh well it must be it must be <laughs> Um, Maybe. To, yeah, some of the some of the characters that live there, you think the properties must be pretty cheap. Yeah, to be fair, we we you know everyone's ragging on Suki, but maybe she's just putting it actually in line with the rest of London. There's nothing yeah. wrong with what she's doing. She's just absolutely trying to nothing. make a fair wage from a property that she owns. She's an absolute angel. Mm. Um. <laughs> and also, if the Slaters need the money, why don't they just get the kids to go to like you know up the chimneys and down the coal mine? Yeah, fine. Sell the kid. They've yeah. got enough of them. <laughs> exactly. It's not like they. It's not like they. It's not like they're going to miss any of them. Yeah, I'm pretty what... sure there's about six kids in that house that haven't been mentioned in about a year <laughs> that's what Kat should have done gone to Phil not to ask him for help with the heist but ask him to help her sell a child yeah, human trafficking yeah. again yeah, yeah, yeah you used to do that didn't you Phil no, um, but um, <laughs> sorry I'm just thinking about Phil oh, human okay. trafficking yeah uh, there you go but, but yeah so Kat wasn't able to succeed with convincing Phil with him to help them do a heist but instead Phil inadvertently offered Kat a job cleaning his house so because presume- why not yeah, so presumably Kat's going to use her sexual manner and her, her... Oh, her... God, I hope not. I mean, it's, it's, she's not the first later to try to convince Phil through a you know, means of you know sexuality. Jean tried it only a few months not ago. Even the, not even the first this year to try <laughs> that. <laughs> no, no. Do you think that Kat and Phil were on the cards? No. I think, no. I think they might no. be. I think they no. might be. No. Which is another... Oh, they, please, no. But don't you think this is another kind of prod into Kush's side if he finds out that she slept with Phil? I mean, I know she slept with Derek, but for the love of God, <laughs> surely she's got better standards than that. I mean, I, you know... I mean, I to, to me, I feel that it's more about Kat getting in there so that she can sort of case the joint out and maybe get herself some information... Uh, maybe something to bribe Phil with so that he actually does help her with the with the heist. I mean, as also, she can't be forgetting that Phil lives with a copper. Well, no, she, I mean, he lives with not, Callum. <laughs> yeah, not a, partic- not a particularly good copper, but he lives with a copper. I, he's, he is a copper. Well, is he? Yeah, I mean, he the, wears the uniform and it has a truncheon. His oversized, so, his fancy dress uniform that he bought down the probably at the market at some point. I'm sure he maybe, just turns up. I'm yeah. sure he's not actually <laughs> educated. He's just officer. the cleaner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, Di Gaffney, whatever his name is, yeah, Di Gaffney. He just he just decided to kind of oh you live with Phil, don't you? Come on, get us some evidence. I'll promote. I'll let you. I'll let you have a badge. 
I'll let you play. I'll let you turn the sirens on. Um, <laughs> also, I thought they were going to mention it this week, and they haven't. It would appear, unless they mention it next week, and please let them because of. Otherwise, it's ridiculous. They seem to have completely swept under the carpet that Stacy nearly killed Phil last year. <laughs> and that for a while, he thought it was Kat. And I don't think there's, that story hasn't been mentioned once since Stacy came back. It's been sort of swept under the carpet by a clean slater, you know. Uh. Um, uh, yeah, I just think that it seems a bit ridiculous that they're not mentioning that whatsoever. You, you know, mm. you, you think at the very least Phil's interest in potentially working with the Slaters over a heist would at least be, yeah, but you tried to kill me last year. Why would I want to work with you? Do you know what I mean? Like, nothing has been mentioned of this whatsoever. No, it's it's been like a lot of things that have happened in current history of EastEnders. About. It's just forgotten about and they're hoping that the viewers will forget, but they don't. And um, but well, no, because the story went on for about six months just to get Lacey Turner off for a few months so she could have a baby. It was the longest maternity story I've ever seen in my <laughs> life. I mean, the Slaters have a big history with Phil, don't they? Obviously, the cats had stolen money that Alfie had stolen from Phil after selling his car when he said he was going to keep it storage for him. Again, forgotten about. If Phil does decide that he's going to help Cat out with the heist, which presumably is what's going to happen, Mm. he's not going to do it unless there's something in it for him. And when Cat first had mentioned the idea, there was nothing in it for him so there no there i think she implies that it would be easy money so presumably he was gonna get i mean presumably they're not just gonna nick enough money to pay the rent they're gonna <laughs> show the full hog and nick like a few grand or something mm-hmm. like that aren't they so presumably phil was gonna get some of the money and we've just done it as well what we're losing what a heist <laughs> no, no no not yet anyway <laughs> i have to talk to you about this when the microphone's off air oh okay, but, uh, but we were losing sight of the fact that this story really should be about kush and his gambling addiction and his depression and what's going to happen with him in the future. And they're now using a ridiculous <laughs> subplot in order to conclude the story. And it, again, it's a heist. It's frustrating yeah. me so much that they're doing it. Because yeah, I, I, want to, I want to investigate Kush's story. That At the beginning uh. of the week, Kush st- stood up and, and said, I'm an addict. I need help. And he said it to Kat and he said it to Stacey. And both of them just kind of went, yeah. So the heist. And it was like, it was yeah, like yeah, yeah. wow, are we actually forgetting this now? Yeah, I want no, to, yeah, I want to I explore agree. Chris's story. I don't want to explore Kat cleaning Phil's house to find out some dirt about him and or him then getting participating in the heist. Mm. Unless it, the story is going in the way of Kush, uh, so, you know, something going horrifically wrong with this heist, mm. which leaves Kush feeling uber guilty about something that has happened because of him, which then will sort of pile on the guilt and depression inside him. I, You know, that's that's the possibility. Mm. I mean, it was just done so gently. And, and I, I love to reference old EastEnders when they did the Arthur story and he stole the Christmas money. And because of the consequences of people discovering that and him being arrested and uh, having the fine, yeah. he then went into a spiral depression. And it was done in a, such a gentle way, but... Far more impactful and less gangster. <laughs> that's what gets me. I, I hate know, the gangster I know, stories. I, I think that's what but I don't want. Gangster it. stories are a sort of staple of EastEnders, though, aren't they? It's, they don't have to be. This is nothing new. I don't think no, they, they have, have to, to be. be. But they, if you think about it, gangster stories have been sort of blood of EastEnders since the very early 90s. Since the Mitchells first came into it, gangstery stuff has been a thing. Well, they were in there even when Dirty Den, he was associated with gangster. Uh, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, the gangster thing has always been there in the background. And mm. it feels like they can't have a few months go by without Phil being a gangster or someone being a gangster. 
Um, God knows what they're going to do when Phil eventually leaves because there's, there's no potential <laughs> gangsters on the square at the moment, really, apart from Ben. Oh, well, I don't um, know. We've got we've got Ruby, and we've, that's true. We've got potentially Suki. That's so, true. Also, I, I mean Mitchell's. I've said before, I'm quite happy for them just to kind of be put to the one side just a little bit. And I know they're a pull for the show. I think there is more out there that could potentially be better. Oh, God, I'm going to get hung for that comment, aren't I? <laughs> I think so. Well, deserved. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, let's move on quickly then. Because um, like bitch, me... you cow. <laughs> you yes, God. bitch. You uh, cow. Jack is having some suspicions about Callum because everything seemed yes. to fit quite nicely into place with Ellie's arrest and them getting Raymond. And I think Jack's pretty much, you know, Jack's not stupid, although he likes to give the impression that he is. He did work out quite quickly that perhaps Callum is closer to the Mitchells than now, he thinks. And he could potentially be quite dangerous being in the police. But obviously yeah. Jack doesn't know that Callum also has that deal with D.I. Gaffney behind the scenes uh, too. Yeah, Jack all of a sudden has turned into the best detective Wolford's ever seen. <laughs> and has worked out all the little facets of the storyline. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, how much of a threat is Jack going to really be in the long run in this? Is it just to give Jack something to do for a little while while he's not with Denise? Or is he actually going to be a key component in the story going forward? I wonder if he's going to be part of the story because with Max leaving, I wonder mm. if Jack might leave too. And there might be a reason for it linked to this story somewhere. Maybe, maybe. It's potential. I mean, I, all I know is, much as the whole sort of Callum and D.I. Gaffney thing is sort of getting a bit repetitive at the moment, Jack being in there saying, and I'm here too, by the way, and I know stuff, isn't helping. No. So <laughs> I um, I feel like whatever happens, it, I'd, I'd like to see that story sort of be moving on now. Because at some point, Callum needs to get found out for what he is or isn't doing. And I'm still no more the wiser as to whether Callum is actually trying to help Phil or be against Phil. Funnily enough, that's the component I like most about this story. I like that we don't know what side Callum is on. It's the, mm. it's the part that's the most interesting for me. The, the uh, aftermath of Callum doing one thing for Phil and then doing another thing for D.I. Gaffney is mm. not of interest for me. I just want the reveal to be where Phil and D.I. Gaffney kind of realise that they're both being played and what, the, what then is going to happen to Callum. Because Ben also this week felt a little bit left out that Callum seemed to be having more involvement now than he has ever really had with his dad other than obviously mm. the aforementioned highs. Yes, and then starts going through Callum phone god yeah. knows what he'll find on there <laughs> i think all their balam fan fiction will be on there and he's, he's in for a good night if the callum just hadn't come downstairs <laughs> <laughs> i mean it's poor callum like he caught him doing it and he went what are you doing with my phone why does nobody ever on a soap have a phone code never happens nobody ever has a phone code on their phone in the soap it's just there to be opened at any given opportunity to find out any secrets that you might need to even if he needs to use Callum's fingerprint, something, you know, you're just holding his phone over his face when he's asleep to sort out the face recognition, anything. But oh, no, I'd love in. to see that. I'd love that to be, be a scene. Yeah, when you see Ben wake up <laughs> and you see he just yeah. has a quick glance over the bedside table and he sees Callum's phone ready yeah. to be unlocked by a sleeping just Callum. holds it against Callum's face yeah. and then it opens. <laughs> right up to and his then face the duff duff well. comes up as <laughs> Ben's face is illuminated at the night by the appearance <gasps> of all these text messages. See, we should do this. Oh, I mean, that. That's, that, that's that, a story. That's a duff duff. I could build a week around that. I could build a full week. <laughs> a week, a month. That's, that's 2022 20, sorted. <laughs> 
<laughs> that's that's an anniversary episode that is <laughs> yeah we'll save that for the 40th <laughs> <clears throat> mark these words that's that's going to come uh, back up on the 40th anniversary if but, i get my dream of being an eastenders writer that duff duff is happening i'm telling you now i worry for the future of balam to be honest with you because they've had such a rocky path up to this point anyway but it's been nice that they've kind of it's been a relationship which has had its ups and its downs and it's very very downs but uh, i just don't see really Especially with him, if he does double cross Phil, ultimately, will Ben then betray his own dad? Nah. No. I mean, he can't. He came with the intentions of doing it, but then gave up on the idea and decided <laughs> to be his about... friend. Yeah, yeah, just forget about that. Sweep it under the carpet. It's Well, I suppose the whole idea of it, ultimately, is going to be to test Ben's loyalty, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And this is going to, I think it's this, because for the minute, Phil and Ben are getting on really well. And I'm presuming this story is sort of designed to be the next components in their relationship going forwards. Yeah, but are Bill and Phil like, getting on? Because they they have so many arguments, and normally it's about Callum. <laughs> like, well, I think yeah. Phil, I think Phil fancies Callum quite honestly. Well, who can blame him in that, in that uh, policeman's <laughs> outfit? Um, yeah, I know. I mean, I think it's. I, I mean, ultimately, you're gonna you're asking yourself. Who is Ben more dedicated to? Is it going to be Phil, who has given him nothing but hell throughout his entire life? Or is it Callum who makes a good breakfast? You know, I think <laughs> given the choice between the two, I'd have the breakfast. Oh, yeah, God, exactly. Yeah. Nothing like a nice breakfast in the morning. Served to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, moving on, we are going to talk about a story <sighs> actually I really loved this week. And that is obviously Rainy finding out that she had a phantom pregnancy. Um, yes. And uh, I didn't see it coming. Genuinely did not see no, it coming. No, neither did I. Mm. I, thought this was a good, I thought it was a really good little twist. And thank God they're finally giving Stuart and Rainey something to do that's actually testing the two characters and the actors. They they worked... They, I mean, Stuart and Rainey were my highlight of the week by far mm. this week. They worked really well. So, yes, after an accident on Keegan's bike, which I'm pretty sure that's not the first person Keegan's knocked over with that bike this what? year... He needs um, to take a page out of Cat's book and never be riding on a moped ever again. <laughs> that is a, that's a brilliant promo pic of Cat on a bike just looking like, <laughs> it's a great picture. Um, yeah, after an accident, uh, because Rainey's listening to a meditation app. Yes. Um, there was a re- I actually really liked the audio of, the, of her like listening to this audio woman. And this woman sort of talking like this and take lots of deep breaths. Oh. Um, the way that they cut it in, I quite enjoyed that. You don't and really then, like the uh, added no, audio, I don't. my friend. Uh, no, I don't. And I have something to say about that later <laughs> in the week as well. But the, um, yeah, so Keegan uh, comes along on his little moped bike thing, uh, knocks Rainy down to the ground. She's rushed to hospital, terrified that she's lost a baby. Mm. And then we discover that there never was a baby. And that's nothing to do with Rainy being deceitful, but she was actually going through a phantom pregnancy. Oh, my heart. Now, broke. I know. Now, I've, I researched this because I was like, all the other sort of symptoms I can sort of get with the idea of phantom pregnancy, the throwing up and, you know, the feeling bloated and period and all of that sort of thing. The food cravings of wanted ke- ice cream covered in ketchup. I wasn't sure whether that was actually a component in what you might go through if you were suffering a phantom pregnancy. <laughs> but apparently, hmm. food cravings are a thing with phantom pregnancies. Okay. It does not explain, however, why she was then tucking into ice cream and ketchup after she discovered that she wasn't <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think it was very much a comfort thing because Stuart was also eating the ketchup and ice cream too. Oh, uh, which is another reason why they're such a sweet couple. Because I, that's yeah. because of course he would. I always go on about oh I I always wanted Stuart and Rainey to be this dark side, but I don't 
hate that they also have this light side and this light story. We saw a little bit of Dark Stuart again this week because yes, he got he very he was Rick Keegan apart, wasn't he? Yeah, he really was because he he kind of blamed him for Rainey wanting to leave him. The, the, the relationship of Stuart and Rainey is so complicated, but also so perfect between them. I just love them so much. And yeah. I want them to, oh, I just want them to have more. Give them more. I mean, they summed up, because Friday's episode was a four-hander, which I absolutely loved. I Mm. love episodes like that, because they're so rooted in character, and it really gives us the opportunity to look into the character's psyches and sort of look at who these people are and study their relationships. And they did a perfect little scene with Rainey and Stuart where they discussed each other and, and their relationship. Yeah. And it seems like they sort of see each other as the best that life had to offer each other. You know, Rainey described it as the last two scraggy turkeys at Christmas. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's sort of right. You can sort of see where Rainey's coming from, that she feels that she's let somebody down again, even though obviously phantom pregnancies aren't her fault because she just wants to uh, have a baby to make her, I don't know, feel like a woman or to make her feel like she's doing her job as a woman from kind of what she was saying. And it was, you know, and it was really nice because she was talking about, you know, all the drugs that she's taken and the relationship with Cora. Um, Oh, I mean, I got a bit angry when she started putting Cora down. Well, no, Stuart said, Stuart said that more than, well, more than she did, though, didn't I'm, she? And I mean, he lost Stuart. some kudos there, I have to be honest with you. Cora <laughs> is a dream. She is a dream, but at the same time, she's also a pretty crap mother. <laughs> How dare you? She's, oh, she's... come on. She was having a fag and nearly killed a baby because she just let a baby <laughs> tram just drift into the road while she was lighting a cigarette. I always imagined, like, when they ha- when she was looking after baby Abby that time. Remember that scene um, in Family Guy uh, when Britney Spears has the baby and she kind of pushes the head in and then uses it as an ashtray? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always exactly. imagined Ray- uh, Cora doing something like that. And she caved Rainey's head in with a frying pan. So she's not she's not model mum of the year, really. Yeah, but then she helped Denise when Denise was in her problems and her troubles. Cora's yeah, But that's not her daughter. Yeah, but Cora Cora has <laughs> seen the error of her ways. She's like the Shirley of the twenty tens. She's she's okay. Just let oh, Cora no, I, have nothing, I mean I love Cora. I want Cora back. I want I want them to bring Cora back because I love Cora and I love Anne Mitchell. I love the but... way she trembles her lines as well. Like every line. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way I just had delivery. (laughs) I was hoping that if Rainey had had the kid, that Cora would come to the christening and they'd all the family would be together. I was so excited about it. I was just, oh, and they just got taken away. I mean, there's there's other opportunities. I, I think that there is genuinely an opportunity to explore Cora and Rainey's relationship because I feel like... Like, I know we kind of, we, I mean, you know, we're going off topic slightly here, but, you know, Cora and Tanya, that was fairly well established. But I feel like there's a lot more to discuss with Rainey and, Rainey and Cora. And it's that, and it's that sort of story that EastEnders always does so well. It's similar in the sort of Phil and Ben route, you know, yeah. that sort of parent and child relationship that's been troubled since the start, mm. that has been troubled for years and years and years. And those scenes where the two talk about their issues. A bit like we had with Mick and Shirley this week. I mean, the two stories are basically connected in a weird way. So, I, um, and, and also, what we've got to wonder is, why put those two together? There's a few theories yes. online about uh, Stuart and Mick and the connection with Katie and Frankie and whether mm. Frankie is a secret daughter of Rick, of Stuart. We may have put one of those theories out there, you know. <laughs> was that our fault? <laughs> it, it, possibly. I mean, it... It would be an, intri- an intriguing twist if Stuart 
is this is our this is a theory right i want to say this straight away before we get anyone saying oh just telling us stories this isn't this isn't an actual storyline no we're we making this up as we go along we, are, we, have, we plan this. this whole podcast is just nonsense but this is added nonsense so this is just a theory on our behalf um and i don't want to sound like we're brilliant but we have been quite good at but theories in the past um but we are brilliant well Chantel and the knife cough cough dishwasher don't want to no, say there anymore. you go our theory is that that perhaps we find out that Frankie is actually Stuart's daughter and that Katie had had relationships with Stuart as well. Someone on Twitter actually um, had made a really interesting uh, thought about Friday's episode. And that is that you saw that Stuart had the same upbringing as Mick and where mm. everyone thought that Mick had found his way out of the gutter and was able to like have this relationship with Linda and they have been quite successful and Stuart's always been seen as being very unsuccessful and still kind of like the the stuff you find on the bottom of your shoe it's yeah. actually now that Stuart has found his place in the world and it's yeah. Mick who's now lost and it's interesting that they've got they had that juxtaposition on Friday's episode that you were able to see it so glaringly obviously I thought that was yeah, really quite interesting I thought it was really well done on Friday to be fair mm. and you know, I suppose, you know, one story sort of leads into the other, so we can sort of dovetail into Mick and Shirley here as well. Uh, yeah, the, the, like you say, the juxtaposition between the four characters was really interesting, because at the first glance, you sort of think, well, why these t- Why these four? Why these two pairings are we watching these specifically for? Mm. Um, and you sort of, yeah, because the thing is, uh, one of the complaints about this story with Mick is that it sort of retconned what we've had established about Mick's childhood. Yes. Um, and I'm sort of trying to spool my way back to thinking what we actually did know about mixed childhood so i'm sure you can tell me better than what i already know but where are we going wrong here what's been sort of changed exactly we've always known that mick and linda uh met when they were childhood sweethearts at school and mick yeah. and we it had been established that mick had never slept with anyone else other than linda his his first love and embodied with it has been him and Linda mm. since the day and Linda they had their first kid when they were I think 16 I may be wrong there but it was, it was, she was young it was, yeah it was I think still... it was Lee when Lee was yeah, it was Lee first wasn't it, that's when, he was it. Six, when they were 16 I think that's been mentioned and, before, and it was yeah. school age I mean when then Stuart was introduced three four years ago we then discovered that Stuart and Mick were friends when they were younger um, and we now realize that it was because it, they were in the uh, child care system and, and so, yeah, you're quite right. They kind of seem to be adding more and more and more to Mick's past. There was a line this week where Shirley said something about Katie and Mick was like, you should never say that about Katie. I, I've, I've always I've always been friends with her. I've always loved her. And, you know, she's mm. always been close. She's always been in my heart or she's always been on my mind. And it's like, has she? Because you've never mentioned her <laughs> up until no, this week. No, I know, week. I know, I know. I mean, I, I have to be honest. And this is, I'm sorry, me being positive. I... I'm always a little bit more forgiving when it comes to saying, oh, well, you've never mentioned that before. Because otherwise, if you were mentioning every single story that was coming along for your character regarding your past, how many stories would we actually have? Mm. You know, I get it. I Don't get me wrong. I get it completely. And yes, this is this seems to be establishing as quite a cataclysmic thing that happened to Mick, which... Giving everything that's happened, especially with Linda, when you know, with the Dean story, you would have thought that something might have been mentioned along the way. But at the same time, I feel that Mick sees absolutely nothing wrong with what happened to him, and I think that he seems to be defending anything that happened to him. Clearly, this Katie is very, very good at what she does, 
and because Mick's brain has been turned inside out by this woman. Yeah. You know, he sees it, I think, as... So what we were gathering from Mick on Friday, he sees Katie as sort of as this knight in shining armour that saved him from, you know, a life that could have been even worse than the one that he's pictured thanks to Shirley. Mm. You know, he she protected him from the kids at the care home. Um, you know, she... She took him under her wing and basically seemed to treat him like her favourite, which is typical predator behaviour. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we're going into some pretty dark topics with Mick now. I think this is going to be a pretty hard-hitting story if they're doing it right. You know, and this Katie, she... I mean, if you look at the effect that it's clearly had on Mick and the complete and utter disbelief that he's got that nothing is wrong with what happened. Yes, he was 12, but that's just the way it happened yeah, in his head, you know? It's not uncharacteristic for this to be the case. It's the fact that Mick doesn't seem to think that... It's strange. Mick seems to see that what happened was wrong, but mm. doesn't blame Katie for it. He blames himself, even though he was the child in the situation. And I, th- I mean, Shirley still Shirley still doesn't know what's happened between Katie and no, Mick and either. I did think I did think that's where they were heading on Friday. Yeah, but um, I mean, he but gave... Shirley was Shirley would know by the end. Um, yeah. but I don't know. It just because if you actually look at Mick's character since we've seen him and Stuart's character actually something like this would explain Stuart's sort of being a paedophile hunter at the start that's right that's right um it might also sort of go some way to explain the connection that Mick and Whitney have together sort of like this unestablished similarity between them of abuse specifically mm. childhood abuse and if I'm I don't think I'm wrong in saying that actually they were the same age when it was happening to them weren't they yeah Mick saying that he was 12 when Frankie came along right so, so that yeah. would have been, and, and you know, not to want to go too graphic here, but that's about the age when boys can start developing that sort of initial thing, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and Whitney was, I'm pretty sure, twelve when the Tony thing started. Mm. So again, it's a similarity there. Maybe would go some way to establish in their relationship that's sort of been unspoken before between them. So that might be an interesting thing going forward yeah. if those two have a scene together and speak. And it would make sense. I'd like to see that. I yeah. I've, do you know what? I've never. It's really strange. I've not even put Whitney into the equation of this story, and now you've put it into that context. Actually, yes, one hundred percent. I mean, I worry that they're actually not even going to include Stuart with the story, and that it's just always going. to Yeah, be a we could be making this up. We, this, yeah, this, yeah, we could be making this up completely. This could be I complete. Think that a complete waste of time, but. <laughs> I think it would be a natural sort of thing to put in. And again, mm. you know, it's establishing the Mick and Stuart relationship because I think the Mick and Stuart thing is quite weird at the moment. Mm. You know, you sort of think about everything that Stuart put the Carters through a couple of years ago. Yeah. Not the same guy now whatsoever. No, complete, um, complete different character. Yeah, forgotten. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but it might be nice for them to have, again, that sort of conversation because presumably these two were at the same care home we seem to be going for, yeah? Mm. It seems to me that the Stuart and Rainey story is kind of going to go off in its own direction. From way that EastEnders is being written at the moment, quite rightly so, that people are in bubbles, it seems to me that yeah. Stuart, I don't think Stuart's going to have any involvement with Katie and Mick for a little while now anyway. But Stuart's going to recognise Katie and they well, all live so. in the same square. So they, they, he's going to have to spot her at some point. Yeah, and also, of course, the other thing is that if we are to take what we're seeing at face value of how much of a... Because Mick's almost in sort of Stockholm Syndrome mode with it with, yeah. with Katie at the moment, I'm, I'm sensing, which would suggest that Katie is ridiculously good at this and we're going to find out that Mick was not the only kid that she's been doing this to. I mean, this woman's scum, 
essentially, isn't she? Like, you know, with so this is this is the sort of evil woman that Ellie should have been. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, I wonder if they, if we're going to find out there's going to be more historical abuse in her past. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna have. I think there has to be because if mm. you're actually looking at Mick and seeing how blinded he is to actually what happened mick does not see this as abuse mick does not see that he was raped no at all in any circumstances he understands the sort of he understands in everybody else's life this would be statutory rape but i don't think that he see he identifies himself as a victim in that regard because of his relationship with katie at the time if she has got a history of having abused other young boys or girls for that matter we don't know but she she has only from our knowledge, she has only had Frankie as a child. And does that kind of elevate Mick as well, to has being she? the Who golden is this bloke? child? Yeah, but, but has she though? Who is this bloke that turned up to threaten Mick when he oh, sent yeah, her I a forgot. video message? <laughs> well, yes, we yes. Talk, we'll, uh, we'll move on from that. Well, but, uh, <laughs> first of all, that's quite rude of Mick to do that when the text message would have been much better for a deaf person. <laughs> like, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, that's rude if you think about it. <laughs> Mercy. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, that's a very good point. As a result of this very rude and insensitive video message that he sent her, yeah. um, this bloke turns up. We've got no idea who he is and, you know, threatens Mick and says, stay away from Frankie. Um, now, who is this bloke? Is it Frankie's boyfriend? I feel like it's not Frankie's boyfriend because it was implied that Frankie might be might be gay or... Oh, no, I don't think she is gay. I don't think she is gay. I think Tina just got the wrong impression. I think Tina saw the wrong signal. How very very unlike Tina. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so maybe maybe she's a brother. So maybe this is another one of of Katie's kids. Maybe. That's true. That's true. I've never really thought about it. Or, or, Or indeed, maybe katie's partner we don't really know that is strange i wonder if we will ever see him again i wonder if he's going to be a bit like <laughs> a bit like uh stacy's boyfriend when she went missing for six oh, yes. months <laughs> and we never saw him again of one episode yeah oh, i've got about to that. pick up stacy's belongings it was like uh, we met at the school gates and then off he went and we all thought he was going to be coming back with stacy as like a brand new partner yeah. for stacy to make martin jealous and yep nothing That's true. <laughs> nothing That's at all true. yeah maybe um so i you know i think early days with this storyline yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tentatively, and maybe this isn't the right phrase to use, I'm looking forward to seeing how this all plays out, but God, they need to get it right. I think they just need to make sure they find the right tone for this. I mean, it's, it's, I doubt it will ever end up this way, but let's not make it a heist type of storyline. Let's make sure that it's <laughs> going to be a story where they, they portray it nicely. And I think. Danny Dyer has got the chops to do it. He can be a little bit... Oh, pant- God, yeah. He can be a little bit pantomime from time to time, old Danny Dyer. Let's never forget when he went to Dickens Hill and the jail scenes and he stole the tin of baked beans. But <laughs> oh, God, yeah. he has, he has of, got it in him. Some of the camera angles don't help Mick, I've always found. You know, if you notice, whenever they give Mick a duff-duff, <laughs> they do a really weird melodramatic zoom in on, it, on him. They did it twice this week. <laughs> like, <laughs> just, like, Mick's duff-duff is like a camera zoom in. Dramatic. Dramatic zoom in. So, yeah, hopefully they kind of fade away from from that a little bit but no you're right Danny Dyer's more than capable of, of pulling off a story like this so um and so and actually so are all let's call them the supporting characters around mm. this story as well mm. they're more than capable of doing something like this you know Shirley Linda Henry was phenomenal this week I thought with the two with uh, the mixed stuff yeah oh god he's being so cruel to her at the moment isn't he I know it's all it's awful but again I can see I can see why he's doing 
What yeah, insane I mean, to Shirley. When I, I was going on last week and saying that the Mick and Shirley stuff was doing my head in because it didn't feel like it was going anywhere, this was all I wanted. That, yeah. th- this is that's been that's been, that itch has been scratched now. <laughs> I just wanted a <laughs> bit. Of, yeah, chance. I just I should. Um, <laughs> I got <laughs> some cream. Uh, I, you know that that sort of need I had to want to have a bit of extra context to the scene and not make it feel as though it was stuff that had been repeated was dealt with this week mm. really well. You know, Friday's episode was by far the strongest of the week. It always and... is, though. Friday, I oh, always... Oh, I know. If anyone ever says, uh, oh, this week's been really bad, I always think to myself, just wait till Friday. Wait for Friday. <laughs> Friday's going to be a great Friday. Sadly, Friday episode is always the one that doesn't seem to pull a rating as high as, say, a Monday... Never has, though. It never has, yeah. though. Even when EastEnders was talking... Even when we were talking about sort of like the 8 million, 9 million days. Yeah. You know, Friday was always the weakest day of the week, which is weird because, like you say, it's kind of fairly well established that the Friday Duff Duff is the one to watch it's because that's the one that's pulling you in for Monday. Mm. Um, but then iPlayer is doing its job with EastEnders at the moment, apparently. Apparently it's basically the BBC's biggest hitter on iPlayer, apart from like, you know, Strictly and all of that sort of malarkey. So uh, EastEnders seems to be getting a better rating through uh, replay than it is through a live broadcast. But I don't yeah. think that's what John Sen and Kate Oates wanted. <laughs> they actually wanted it to become appointment television again. And they're not yeah. they're not doing that. Um, but that's that's a, a subject for another day, I think. Yeah, well, no, that's another conversation. Lovely. Which I'm um, sure we'll have. We, we um, certainly <laughs> will. I think that's the week summed up. Lovely. Is, it, is, that, is that everything? I think so. I mean, there was a little bit with Max I mean, and Linda, but I don't really want to no, dwell on that too much. Nothing, <laughs> nothing, really ha- nothing really happened there. And we've uh, talked about the condiments, so I think we've covered yeah, it all. So good. that's fine. Check, check and check again. Um, <laughs> would you mind staying on while we just look at a few comments on our Twitter and our yeah, social media? Go for it. Lovely. Go for it. Yes. You know me, I ain't one to gossip. So, as usual, we ask you to get in touch with us on our Twitter, our Instagram, and our Facebook group. Don't forget, you can find us on any of those just by simply searching Wolford Weekly Podcast. And if you do find us on Facebook, don't forget to join. And you can also find us on YouTube too. And if you are listening to us on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe and put a thumbs up. All the same familiar stuff that I say every week, just uh, repeated again. I'm, gonna I'm say such that. a noob. I just did a thumbs up, just as you said that, you know, sort of as if to demonstrate it to the <laughs> listeners. I'm an idiot. If we ever do a video <clears throat> podcast... I'm there. Front row centre. Here's a few comments then. First of all, starting on our Twitter, at PeteBill7. There's seven of them out there, and this is the seventh. God. He said, I loved this week, and I hope that Phil and Kat become an entertaining couple. Although intrigued about Mick's past and the rough time he had had in care, maybe Stuart's past will overlap. And I hope so. Also, with the Phil and Kat stuff, actually, I agree. I like the two characters together. I don't want any romance stuff. They can, I'm not touching that with a nine-foot pole. However, I think, in terms of iconic sort of characters of EastEnders at the moment, you know, Phil and Kat are sort of there. They're up there, aren't they? Oh, yeah. And visually, visually, Kat is very EastEnders, and visually, Phil is very EastEnders. So I like look at, I like watching the pair of them on screen together. I'm all up for more Kat and Phil stuff, as long as it doesn't go anywhere near a romance. I quite like it. Yeah, I mean, they've got that kind of comedy dynamic between them. Like the scene where yeah. the cat was outside putting the bins out and Phil was coming home uh, and they had that chat over the wall. I did that, that actually was a really nice scene for me. That was an yeah, extended scene and I enjoyed it a lot. I don't know if it's just a Kate Oates thing that I've heard, but she tends to like putting couples together that perhaps wouldn't necessarily match very well. And yeah, no, that is very much a Kate Oates. She did a, she did a hell of a lot on Kari. But the thing is with that with that method, when you chuck that much pasta at the wall, mm. it'd be inter- it's sometimes interesting to see what sticks. 
Is that, a met- is that an analogy? It is, is that- an analogy. <laughs> and if it wasn't, <laughs> you know then I mean? it should be. If it's not, then it should be one. <laughs> you know what I mean? I do. Um, yeah. So and yeah, and and again, you know, it's sometimes you find yourself with two with two characters that bizarrely are. Oh my god, you two are made for each other, character wise. Like you're perfect together on screen. You know, like Stuart and Rainey. At first, you kind of think what, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, hang on, yeah, no, this is perfect. This absolutely works. Like Jay and Honey, again, you know, it absolutely works. Mm. Um, and again, Cat and Phil, like I say, no to romance, but in terms of two characters and a sort of bantery relationship and sort of love-hate thing between them, perfect. I like it. Lovely. Olivia Jane Rosegarden on Instagram has said, Thursday's episode was more exciting than Friday's, and I love the Jay and Honey storyline. I mean, we've talked about Jay and Honey storyline. It had it had potential to be problematic, but I think it's fine. Mm. Let it carry on. Yeah. Your ship still sails, yeah. And my ship... Oh, God, you're doing this again, are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Titanic that is, <laughs> uh. that is uh, Honey and Jay. <laughs> Jess McVie on our Facebook group has mentioned that Ricky and Tanya were absolutely fantastic. I love seeing this side of their characters where they really get to sink their teeth into the show and just how fantastic they both are together. It took me a while to work out that you weren't on about um, the characters of uh, Ricky Butcher and Tanya Browning then. I got a bit confused. I was like, what have I missed in it? What? Uh, no, yeah, no, absolutely agree. I thought the pair of them absolutely nailed it. As we knew they would, because both of them are brilliant actors. Both of them mm. are brilliant characters. So I want to say, yeah, I, we, we need more of those two as a couple. You know, the comedy stuff is nice to watch and it's funny, but the more serious stuff, really, they showed that they can do that in bucket loads. So, yeah, more of that. Okay. Sidney Dumphy had said after the aftermath of Kush and the actor leaves, it would be funny to have Kat and Phil put together and it would be interesting to see Sharon's reaction. <laughs> I mean, I suppose it's sort it does. She does sort of tick the, the box of Phil's normal sort of brassy gobby type. You know what I mean, if you think about it, is that his sort of relationship history, Sharon, and then oh Shirley. It would, it's a sort. I think it's a sort of thing that he'd do when drunk, but or Cat would certainly do when absolutely hammered. I think that Phil, no, no, no. just no. Wash your brain out. No. <laughs> We're going to end then with this final comment on Twitter from Sophie, and she said, "Tonight's episode just proves that you don't need a massive cast to make an impact. EastEnders is at its best when the stories are character-driven, and this was proven when the scenes between Stuart and Rainey were shown." Yeah, I agree. Absolutely true. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Like you say, character building is what EastEnders was born to do and mm. the, the fact that they haven't been doing it for such a long time but then they gave the time they always give it again it's always a friday episode they give the time up yeah, for them yeah, to yeah. build a character yeah it's the thing that's frustrating at the moment because you know when they do an episode like fridays which is so heavily focused on just a very small number of characters no other soap can touch it mm. you know the character stuff that eastenders does is so miles above everywhere else it's just sometimes they forget that they're they're, they're that good at that yeah, and they need to remind themselves that they are good at yeah. it. So we're reminding yeah. them right now on this podcast. So if you're listening, yeah. production yes. crew, you're good Get at that. It. Yeah, t- do out. more of it. Yes. <laughs> Lovely. So uh, as always, just to remind you guys, if you're listening to us on YouTube, just to subscribe, do a thumbs up. Rob will help you out with that as well if you need any help of what a thumbs thumb up. up is. There it is. He's, thumb up. You can't see there it, but it he's got his thumb up right now. Oh, it's there. It's up. <laughs> um, and uh, don't forget to comment below as well. You can also listen to us on any of your favourite podcast apps. That includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean. And again, if you're listening to us on any of those, don't forget to review us and be kind. Don't be mean. 
just it's no point we live in this world this very small world and it's just nicer to be kind to one another than cruel even though we've just spent 60 minutes criticizing a soap <laughs> but it's all is that fine. all we t- is that all we took it seemed longer <laughs> <laughs> thank you again rob for joining us will you be joining Pleasure. us again next week oh go on then oh good 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 and thank you guys also for listening and we hope that you can join us too have a great week take care of one another and we'll speak again soon bye bye <laughs>